strong client retention, happy employees, organized financials. These are all things that are within your control that make a massive difference without you having to go out and bring one more dollar in the door. Hi, I'm Melanie Barr. Welcome to the She Built It Experience with Melanie. Join me as I talk to women who have successfully built it, a career and business that they love. We dive into the topic of how they built it and talk about everything from having the courage to make career leaps to the details of how to lead effectively, create successful teams, implement strategies for growth, and infuse tech innovation. Magic happens when we focus on the part of ourselves and our business that brings us joy. So let's dive in. Welcome back to the She Built It podcast. Thank you for joining us, Caitlin. You are the CEO of Theory Planning Partners, a wealth creation firm for top female entrepreneurs in America. How are you helping clients to better their businesses, their strategies, and themselves? Oh, that's a great question. I would say that one of my favorite things about Theory specifically is that we are a very aspirational model. We attract clientele who I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but we attract a lot of threes and a lot of eights. So a lot of goal oriented people, but we help them get organized with their finances. We help them develop an intentional financial plan so that they are running their business in alignment and support of their goals and values for their families and themselves. And then finally, we help them execute on that vision, which I think is the most important part. And for our industry specifically, investing and finance can be very intimidating to people, especially if they didn't grow up around wealth or having wealth. I think the handholding component and the very nurturing and nourishing environment that we provide for our clients really allows them to feel safe and supported through the whole journey. And tell us about your early career. What led you to launch your business? Yeah, I was a psychology major in college. But my grandfather and father were both in finance in different ways. My grandfather was a venture capitalist. My father worked in data management. And I saw them in finance and I knew I always saw myself there as well. So after college, I joined an asset management firm, which is Putnam Investments. For anyone who's familiar, it's a mutual fund company. And Putnam was exclusively sold through financial advisors. And when I learned what financial advisors did, I thought, wow, what a great marriage between my interests of psychology and finance, because you're working with money, but you're doing so with families and individuals. And I felt like that was going to give me a depth to my experience that I was looking for. I I definitely look for a lot of mission and purpose in my career. And so I felt like that would be a very rewarding one. And money brings up a lot of things when you're dealing with individuals (laughs) and families. (laughs) Yes. And money is a huge trigger for people. I lean on my psych background every day. What are some of the most surprising things you have learned working with the wealthiest people in America? One of them is that money does not exclude you from the human experience. The same issues that plague people. I think people always have that conception of like, when I reach this level, then everything will be great. No matter what level you are at, it always comes back to your internal state. Are you doing the work on yourself? Do you have self-awareness? Are you growing personally? Are you growing spiritually? Because I think people are looking for money to alleviate a lot of their issues. 
I've seen it time and time again that you get to the top. And if you're not doing the work along the way, those issues are still there. Definitely the fact that it's always about your internal state. I will say some of the things that set wealthy people apart are their habits. Wealthy people, specifically first-generation wealth, they tend to have very strong habits. And that's really what all wealth creation comes back to. To have strong habits, I think you also have to have a strong temporal perspective, which is a psychology term, but temporal perspective is your relationship with time. Wealthy people have a very strong temporal perspective in the sense that they can think not just moments or days in advance, but they're thinking years in advance and they're willing to focus on the inputs, not just the outputs. How that translates into wealth creation is saving and investing. It's saving and investing over a long period of time and not looking for just like a get rich quick scheme or results that can also for business owners translate into running a best in class company and what that takes to show up every day and run a best in class company. Cause I think a lot of people will look at, Oh, they sold their business for $80 million. And they just look at that day without looking at everything that it took to get to that day, whether you are saving to create a $5 million portfolio or you're selling a company for $500 million it all comes back to habits and what you're doing day in and day out. That's so true. And when you're talking about your inner self, money usually adds more things. And when you have more things, it makes it much more important for you to be happy with your inner self. Yes. Money is just a magnifier of what's going on. Specifically for business owners, a lot of times business owners assume that revenue just making more money will solve the problem. And usually it's, it's covering up the issues. And the same thing goes on the personal side. The internal state always, something our clients are always working on. And they probably always think more will make me happy. When you add more, you have more things to take on, which make that internal that much right. more amplified. Right. And the one thing that I have seen, especially working in private wealth management, is that there can be a tipping point where money starts to create confusion. And when there's so much money, then it's creating confusion issues, intrafamily issues, especially in the private wealth world. I've seen a lot of intrafamily litigation, which can be pretty sad. But I've also seen it done really well. And those were for the families that kept the values and the ethos of the family at the center of everything that they do. You believe the ultra wealthy have habits, which you mentioned. What do you think they are? My favorite demographic to work with in private wealth was first generation business owners. I think, again, going back to the internal state, it was because they had a level of self-confidence that they could get through anything, that they could start over, that they could make more money. Sometimes you start to see that trail off for second and third generation wealth, which is why in every language, there's a version of the phrase shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. And that's because wealth typically only lasts or it dwindles and runs out in the third generation. Again, that goes back to the internal state. I've seen a lot of second generation wealth just not have the same confidence in themselves. That is a signature thing of first generation wealth, which is, I know no matter what, I'm going to be okay. 
I know that I can survive off of nothing. I can create something out of nothing. That level of just alignment can be really cool to see. I think it's self-confidence. And then also going back to the habits, doing the things day in and day out that reinforce that confidence. And that can be like daily routines. That can be a commitment to go to the gym. That can be a commitment to go to bed early, a commitment to get eight hours of sleep. I think that the smartest and most successful people I've seen know that they can't pour from an empty cup. And so it's very much about self-care and taking care of yourself. But again, having a strong routine, also making things that are positive as thoughtless as possible. When it comes to investing, having auto-invest, auto-investing every month. The other thing that I saw for everyday Americans that were getting ready to retire, the two biggest assets that they would come in with were their house and their 401k. And the reason for that is because they had to pay their mortgage and their 401k would get taken out of their paycheck before they got their paycheck. Those are two assets that we're building alongside or complementary to human behavior. And that's why they got accomplished. Knowing that about human behavior, setting yourself up to have strong, thoughtless habits that can make a significant difference, especially when you're looking out 10, 20, 30 years over the future. And with all the tech we have, that makes it so much easier. And I see why it would be fun to work with first generation due to the grit that they have. Yes, absolutely. The grit for sure. Just knowing that if you start a company, for example, you might not be paying yourself for two, three, four years and just having to be okay with the fact that the inputs will eventually lead to the outputs. You believe female entrepreneurs can best balance the masculine and feminine energy of wealth creation. Tell us about that. I would say that the feminine is a lot around receiving energy, right? Being worthy of receiving, which again, I think has a lot to do with the internal state. Are you taking care of yourself? Are you putting yourself in a vibration of attraction and believing that you are worthy of receiving this money. The masculine side of things comes down to the actual execution of it. It's taking aligned action, right? It's again, managing your internal state. People have different ways of doing this, but let's say meditating every morning, for example, that can be a really strong habit that can make a huge difference in your day and can make you a really strong attractor of money because you do know and believe inside, like I am okay, no matter what. And I know how to manage my internal state, getting aligned with yourself personally. And then the action piece being the masculine piece, which is we do need to make money to keep a roof over our heads. We do need to invest to create a wealth portfolio. So I think aligned action is a great phrase that perfectly encapsulates the balance between the feminine and the masculine. If you're hyper-masculine and you're just focusing on executing, you're likely to, yes, potentially make it to the top, have a big house, have all the things, but feel very empty inside. And then if you're too on the feminine, you could sit there meditating all day. And if you're not taking any action, not much is going to come around no matter how much you are trying to attract it. That's why the balance between the two is so important. And I think that's why for theory specifically, we attract a clientele that gets that message and wants to strive for that balance. 
I've thought about both sides, but I haven't ever thought about the importance of marrying the two together. And recently, through COVID and everything we all went through, I thought I need to get my habits back in order. And I had two small children. Things flow in (laughs) different times of life. But now, I joke it only took nine years, but now I'm reading books every night instead of watching the streaming shows. And I have started meditating. I don't know, Peloton has a five-minute meditation that I do in the morning, and then I'll do between 10 and 30 minutes at night. And you're right, it is a difference. And when I fall off of that, I can tell in my energy and my execution the next day. That is such a great example. And it reminds me of the phrase, meditate for 20 minutes. And if you don't have enough time, meditate for two hours. So so five minutes. Think about the things we all do in a day for five minutes. Exactly. And it really only takes five minutes and that can give you the clarity to hear your intuition. I think one of my biggest regrets is that I had, I, unfortunately I experienced a lot of sexual harassment in my career in wealth management before I left and started my own company. And I feel like I never took the time to get quiet and actually listen to what my body was trying to tell me. I just pushed it down and tried to push through and keep going. And then I just jumped from burning platform to burning platform. And I thought, man, like at 26, if I just took five minutes a day to sit down and ask myself how I was truly feeling, I would have gotten the answers versus just keeping on unconsciously. And thank you for being honest about that, because I know a lot of listeners that we have probably shared similar experiences. And I think about the youth of today with even my kids and how much tech is there. I almost want to go tell them, go sit in your room for 10 minutes. You're not in trouble. I just want you to be alone with your thoughts because you're right. It really is important. It is. I don't know if you've read The Body Keeps the Score. I'm still only like a few chapters into it. But when I look back, it was so true. It was like my body was trying to tell me things and I was ignoring it because I was thinking that my mind was more intelligent than my body. And especially also since having two kids, I'm like, wow, my body is ridiculously intelligent. You work with some clients who are building a business to sell. Tell us about the process. And do you have a favorite client success story? And why is it your favorite? We do have clients that are building to sell. And again, it does come back to those daily habits. To give you an example, we have a client who has an accounting firm. The company is currently valued at a million dollars. And to fulfill her personal financial plan, we are planning for a $5 million exit in 2028. When we plan for something like that, a $5 million exit, We also need to take taxes into consideration. She will need to net $5 million from the sale of that company. So in order for her to move from being worth $1 million to $8 million once we account for taxes, she needs to be running a best-in-class company. Now, that doesn't always equate to just more revenue. I'll give you a little bit of a one-on-one on how valuations are done. So a valuation of a company is EBITDA times a multiple. So EBITDA stands for earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And then that company gets assigned a multiple. So let's say for accounting firms, the multiple is anywhere between four and eight. Four for a mediocre company, eight for a best-in-class company. If her EBITDA is a million dollars and she's running an average company, a buyer might be willing to offer her $4 million. So a million dollars times four. 
If her EBITDA is a million dollars and she's running a best-in-class company, a buyer might be willing to offer her an eight multiple, $8 million. So same revenue, but completely different and results because of the quality of the company. And so that is a misconception that a lot of business owners have is that, okay, if I have to grow to 8 million, I just have to keep growing my revenue. Not necessarily. If you have loyal clients, strong client retention, happy employees, organized financials, organized legal documents, these are all things that are within your control that lead towards having a best-in-class company. That can make a massive difference without you having to go out and bring one more dollar in the door. For owners who have expressed a desire to sell, that's something that we start working on years in advance because those things take time. Having a good company culture, getting your financials organized, having great credibility with your clients, that stuff isn't done overnight. And it's something that, again, always goes back to the habits. So what are we doing day in and day out that solidify our reputation within the industry or make us special or make us differentiated or make us organized? In the eyes of a buyer, that can be super attractive. That client is actually a really good example because she conceptually understands this. She is already working to implement that. And in terms of being an advisor and educate a client, which is on us, right? To educate her as to why this is so important, but then actually listens and respects what we have to say and then goes out and does it and executes it. That's a dream client. And that makes for a really strong partnership, which I was very intentional about naming my company Theory Planning Partners because they truly do see our relationship as a partnership. We're going to come to the table and do our half and you have to come to the table and do your half and we're going to get there together. So she's a great example of a client who really embodies the partnership mentality. I love all our clients really, but she was a good example of someone that comes to mind that is fun to work with. And as women, we tend to like to be collaborative. It doesn't mean we can't go do things on our own and build things on our own. It's just usually more fun for us if there is a piece of collaboration involved. Absolutely. And I think that's another thing that's been so uniquely cool about starting my company theory is that what I saw a lot of times in wealth management previously is everyone has their silo of expertise. And there can be a lot of ego in the silos where I have to know the most, or I can't admit if I don't know it all. And I thought, this is really silly. Why don't we bring everyone to the table? the CPA, the insurance agent, the estate planner, and everyone put their ideas out there of what they think is the best. Now, CPA, we hold the highest level picture for a client because we're looking at their entire balance sheet, which is going to include all their assets and liabilities. The business is one of their assets. There's so much more going on in their life outside of the business. And We have that whole vision, but we're also looking at the vision across their entire lifetime. Because we hold that holistic view, sometimes we might come at things differently than a CPA who is typically interested in saving the most amount of taxes that specific year. Being able to have an open conversation and being collaborative about, hey, how do we all arrive at the best solution? And then, of course, the client should have the final say because they're the one telling us what the end goal is. Yeah, women just really thrive in this collaborative environment and it's very rewarding to see. 
And you're so right. If everyone comes to the table with their expertise, you're going to get the best result. Yes, absolutely. It's more fun. You learn things and people have an immediate sigh of relief when it's treat me like a kindergartner, like talk to me in basic language and it allows everyone to set down their armor. And we're all very smart in our respective fields, but that doesn't mean that we can't learn something new. And I'm always inspired by all the women that I talk to that come to the podcast and say, I had to take a look at myself and realize what I'm really good at and either delegate or hire out or learn the pieces that I needed for the business that weren't necessarily my strong points. Yes. I know I mentioned the Enneagram at the beginning of the podcast, but we use the Enneagram with our clients and our team because it's very helpful to understand strengths and weaknesses. As a business owner, you become acutely aware of (laughs) (laughs) whether you like it or not. (laughs) Exactly. Magic happens when we focus on the part of ourselves and our business that brings us joy. What is one way that you make sure to find and live your joy? on the personal side, moving my body, going, getting back to yoga this morning, literally like since Luke was born, so almost a year that felt so good to to start moving my body again. And on the business side to the whole ego thing, historically, I've very much identified with my worth being in my skill set and my knowledge. I have recently brought on a team over the last six months and being okay with the fact that I love being more high level. I love going on podcasts. I love speaking at events. That is where I come alive. And thankfully I hired a phenomenal advisor who loves the planning software way more than I do. Being able to hand that off to her and delegate that to her and really finding my joy in educating and empowering women has been a really, I'm still going through it. I still feel like I'm only a few weeks into it realizing wow, I think this is what I was meant to do. Thank you for joining us today, Caitlin. Can you share with us how and where we can find you? Sure. So we are on Instagram at Theory Planning Partners and our website is theoryplanning.com. If you were interested in booking a call, there's a Calendly link at the bottom. Thank you for joining us today. I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me at hello at shebuiltit.com on our She Built It website or at She Built It on social. Thank you to my editor, Rich Streffolino, who always makes us sound good. Until next time, let nothing stop you from experiencing the life and business that you crave.